0: As I mentioned earlier, a, the Young Adult List, a new initiative, is, was launched on Friday at Porirua District Court to give young offenders a fair go in the justice system and to try and prevent re-offending. These sorts of schemes are are expensive to run, provides a kind of wraparound service, including specialist probation officers, adolescent mental health services, alcohol and other drug screening, links to community support. So expensive but you'd have to say worth it, wouldn't you? Justice Minister Andrew Little joins me now. Good morning to you, Minister. Good morning, Kerry. How do you evaluate the success mm-hmm. or otherwise of a scheme such as this? Um, you look at what happens
1: with the person who's, you know, a person is charged with an offence, and they usually sort of plead guilty. And then uh, through the, the kind of interventions that the court can arrange there and then, you see whether or not they go on to, to re-offend. We know that at the moment, a lot of young offenders who turn up, they'll recycle through the court time and time again. Mm-hmm. If we can stop that happening, and most importantly, stop them going to prison, because that's an expensive exercise, then it's money well spent.
0: Is there uh, a range of crimes that these for which these young people um, are charged more serious ones would be referred on to the full district court?
1: Yeah, look, the, the more serious ones are going to be dealt with at, at the more serious end. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the, the very, very serious physical assaults and things like that. The, the, the sort of offences these folks are up for uh, will be driving offences. There'll be low level assaults and things like that. Um, and remembering too that for a lot of these, um, and it's mainly guys who are turning mm-hmm. up there, there, there's other issues going on. There, there might be alcohol and drug addictions, but there'll be, there'll be um, dyslexia, there'll be learning difficulties, there'll be trauma from exposure to violence in the home as a young child, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's about getting, you know, getting those younger offenders early enough so you can kind of you know to not put too fine a point on it reprogram their brains yeah. to help them deal with the, the sort of life situations they're in so they, rather than offending they've got ways of managing the situation that they're in
0: judge john walker the principal youth court judge says we know for people in this age group the brain is not fully developed and currently we treat them as fully functioning adults when demonstrably they are not you you talk mm-hmm. about the fact that there's still the opportunity to reprogram the brain. Why then would we introduce or want to make cannabis legal when 18 year olds' brains aren't fully developed? And why would we want them voting if they're not fully developed? Yeah, I think there's,
1: look, the issue about cannabis is very real. That's, we've said that, um, you know, I've always maintained the big, the big risk about that is that. Uh, um, for the undeveloped brain, you know, use of cannabis is, is a big risk. And that's why we've set the in, the, in the proposed law that people are going to vote on, we've set a, a higher age than alcohol. It's at, a, at an age where, you know, people can think and choose what they're doing, that they know that this is going to be different. Um, but it also means that we can, you know, you can run the public health campaigns to say, put off your first use, you know, do not use this drug as a, as a teenager, um, as a younger person. And uh, the, the reality is, the whole question about cannabis is that drug is out there now and it's mm-hmm. uncontrolled and it's a question about And the, and the choice for voters is, is this a better way of controlling what's happening or do we want to leave things as they are?
0: And I just look at kids who are, who do suffer from dyslexia, who do have the acquired brain injuries, and you know that they're probably more likely going to be kids who are going to pick up numbing agents like alcohol, like <laughs> cannabis.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the same. Whether you know, why, why do people turn to alcohol and drugs? Is because there's usually other things going on. that, as you say, they're trying to blot out and mm. you know, numb themselves for so the sense of kind of shame or failure or embarrassment that they have. Mm. And there's there's a number of other things we need to do in the education system and the health system and society generally to say, you know, you are who you are. Your brain is what it is. Let's work out ways that you know you can you know different ways of learning, different ways of picking stuff up. Just because you have dyslexia. Doesn't make you a bad person
0: right. um,
1: or somebody who can't achieve because actually there are some pretty high achievers who've got those sorts of problems.
0: Is is it too late at 18 to 25 to be putting that wraparound service? Because when you look, I mean, these days, and I remember talking to Bill English about his social reforms that he worked Mm. in with Dame Tariana Turi, and I assume you've Mm. had a look at that to see if there's anything you can pick the eyes out of. He said, you know who these families are, where the most at-risk kids are, because of all the the data we have today. And to put a wraparound protective specialist service around the most at-risk families would save a fortune down the track.
1: Sure, and 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 that is right, and we're all. I think look, there's no politics in this sort of stuff. No. We all know that, and when and look, MSD's got the data, various other government agencies have got the data, education system comes into contact with these people, and I think one of the challenges we've had is to adapt some of those government-funded functions to make sure that we're capturing those people and providing the support that's needed. I mean, it's one of the reasons why you know, we're rolling out the Food and Schools program, is we know that if, you know, the whole bunch of kids who, who struggle to get a decent meal at home, uh, if we can give them one decent meal and help their learning, that makes a big difference. But in terms of those learning difficulties, and they are happening, we know that there's a whole bunch of kids who don't get assessed. We've got to step up. Um, that assessment and we've got to provide those, you know, the support that's needed. There are some things we, we will struggle to deal with and kids who are exposed to violence in the home, there's a limit to what the schools can do to, to kind of counter that, um, and, and other services. But by the time they become adolescents, enough making, starting to make their own choices and their own decisions, whether they're, um, impetuous or not, um, that's where, you know, they then start to rub up against the law. Look, and you say, for, for some of these people, it is just, no, there are driving offenses, so the yeah. young people who it 's expensive to get your driver 's license you fail once you fail again they don 't have the cash, but they need to drive sometimes you know it 's to, to get it you know, get to work to their job, but they take the risk because they 're not thinking through the consequence of it. they just take the risk and it was interesting. I sat in the first hearing of the court last week, and there was mm. one young guy that was exactly his problem, so and they had all the people there to say right it 's not how bad you've been it's how are we going to get you your license you've got a job how are we going to get you your license so you don't have to run this gauntlet again and mm. I think that's a much more constructive approach to take than just whacking another fine on them which is probably you're going to struggle to pay anyway and it gets into even more trouble.
0: I just It's just really interesting looking at the response to COVID-19 and the enormous sums of money that are being thrown at it and when you look at the enormous expense that having dysfunctional families who keep on having dysfunctional families, the enormous expense to society, the grief they cause to themselves and to other families. Mm. If we'd had that same targeted, intense, this is a crisis, we have to respond to it, we're going to throw everything at it. I just can't help thinking it would be a better New Zealand
1: yeah, I don't disagree with you. And look, there there has been politics tied up in there. And you know, people think, well, you know, that's, that's that family. They take responsibility for themselves. And and I think we, you know, we have had this still a silly debate about oh well if somebody who offends you're just going soft on them and why why don't you punish them and look you've got to for people who do harm to others of course they've got to be called to account Mm. and and help with that but actually if their offending is caused by a whole bunch of other factors that we know with a bit of effort we can fix or we can turn around why wouldn't we do that and it's about trying to get that balance right rather than uh, you know black and white solutions for complex problems.
0: Well, and that's it, and they, they, they are expensive, they're complicated, it's two steps forward, one step back when you're dealing with someone like, but it's exactly. worth it yeah. in the yeah, end. Yeah,
1: that's right. It's a like we know with, with you know, people with addiction problems, you, you often have to start two, three, four times before you kind of get on the path to recovery, and and people whose behaviours are means they're prone to offending, it's a bit the same, but man, it's way a way lot cheaper than putting the effort in when they're still out in the community can still do constructive things than putting them in prison where we 're paying over a hundred thousand bucks a year to keep them and and achieving nothing and that 's I think where we 've got to get the balance right there 's no question if you look if you 're a, a victim of crime you 've been beaten up of course you know there 's got to be an atonement for that there's got to be a, a, a sense of reconciling mm. you know, the victim's needs as well. That, that's, it's not about one or the other. You've got to do both. But the the challenge for the person who's prone to offending is to stop them offending. And the younger they are uh, that we can do that, then we've got a better chance of, of keeping them out of the big house and, and you know, putting them on the path to a good life.
0: And what chance that this will be rolled out throughout the country, Minister?
1: Um, we'll, we'll see how it goes at Portidora District Court for a wee while, but it's, it's interesting after the, the thing on Friday, I met with a, a bunch of judges, including the chief district court judge, and it's interesting the conversation quickly turned to, look, we're doing all these sort of innovative things in different courts, uh, why, why don't we just pick the best out of them and put them in all the courts as a standard, routine way for the court to operate? And as you say, like, there, is, there is expense tied up in that. Um, But I think we will get to the point where, uh, fairly soon, we will say, right, here's a bunch of things we know is working, we're going to make that available, and every court might take us a few years to get that up, but um, make that available to everyone, everywhere, and I think that'll make a huge impact on turning troubled lives around, stopping the offending, and that's got to be better for all of us.
0: I thank you very much for your time, I know you're busy this morning, Justice Minister Andrew Little.